Welcome back to Locked On Cast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, rated five stars on Apple Podcasts by Wizard of Science. He says, these guys do an excellent job breaking down each game. They also do a good job keeping their ear to the rumor mill while being realistic about the team, players, trades, and the future. Optimism and positivity that isn't fanciful. Overall, a great way to stay tuned in if you're a hardcore fan who missed a game, a casual fan who wants to stay appraised of the team, or a new fan who wants to quickly get to know everything there is to know about the team. Wizard of Science, Chris and I thank you for your wonderful review, and we hope you still enjoy listening. We're back with more from our conversation with the Chase Downs' Justin Rowan about the general state of the Cavs, so we hope you stick around and enjoy it. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for our Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket. And oh, my. Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill. Off to Stevens. Oh, my. 45 ticks to go. That shot is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that Harden pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, look out. There you go. That's called team ball right there. Do you think the Cavs need to make a window move to make that push? Like, do you think they need to sacrifice part of this young core in order to do to really secure your belief that they are a playoff team, not just a play-in team? Or do you really feel that confident in the young core four plus one from this 2021 draft? I don't think they need to move one of the young core. Um, I, I would I'm, certainly I'm be not, aggressive. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Either, would it shock? But, would it shock you if they did? It sh- no, it wouldn't shock me if the. It, it wouldn't shock me because I, I think you have to evaluate those options. Like, I felt really gross doing this because we we basically we did a podcast where we went into our biggest questions coming into this off season, and it's not necessarily we weren't advocating for one direction or the other, but we were just kind of questioning. Hey, like, what are those? kind of big questions that Kobe's going to be faced with and what to do with Larry, what to do with sex and like that, that's really high up there on the list. And it wouldn't shock me to evaluate every single option because that's the, the responsible decision. Now, my preference would be to keep the, the core four together and to aggressively shop the 2022 pick, because I, I think a lot of teams would be willing to short the calves and, and anticipate that they're going to be bad. And if you could lightly protect that, uh, like top three protect yeah, that I, pick. I, well, I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I'm being, if I'm the calves, I'm not doing anything where like there's a risk of me losing any lotto pick. It's just not, it's just not worth it, I think. I, I would for the uh, for the right piece. On, I would. It, it depends on what you're getting. If it's like would you, if it's Brandon would... Ingram, maybe. But if it's like McCollum, I'm slapping Ooh. like top fifteen uh, projections. So you you just you just said my favorite name. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Justin, I know. I know you. I've yeah. been trying to speak it into existence for two damn years. You know what? I'm. I'm That's fair. <laughs> like someone like that. Like if you got a second contract player that fits with the remaining young core. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to give up a fair bit. Like, I, I want to be a little aggressive here because I, I, I think the bar is getting higher and higher to make the playoffs. Yes, this year was weird, but you look around the NBA, even the bad teams have exciting cores. And it really is whether or not you optimize that core. That's what determines whether or not you make the playoffs. And I, I think that you need to be somewhat aggressive trying to supplement that talent and to add to the young core 
if you want to make it to the postseason. I think internal growth is going to do a lot of that work, but you need to increase your margin for error. That's the biggest thing because if you're just relying on that internal growth, there's so many ways for this to go wrong and for it to fall apart. I think that's right. Um, mm-hmm. A column trade feels like the middle ground to all this to me. Okay, so... Let I don't me, even like that idea. I'm just telling I listen, you that I, I yeah, I listened to your podcast on the McCollum yeah. trade and I thought you guys made the right points. The thing that stands out to me is if you are advocating for a Colin Sexton, CJ McCollum swap, you are admitting that it's personal with Sexton because there are all the same concerns with a Garland Sexton backcourt with a Garland McCollum backcourt, except you don't have the upside and the youth to think, hey, maybe at some point he's going to attempt to play defense. That's not going to happen with CJ McCollum. Yes, he takes more threes. That is what you're gaining. But like, all well, I think I think concerns. he's all I think the fake concerns I, are there. Yeah, well, I think he's more skilled offensively. I just think he's got more tricks in his bag that Colin just hasn't developed yet, right? Like CJ has like I think somewhat an underrated bit of it. I just when I, when I say middle ground, the reason I say that is just because I look at like what what like a win now move would sort of be, and like if a, if you're trying to be the money on it is extremely complicated, but like the win now sort of moves that you would make would sort of be like, okay, we're going to go get this veteran guard who can sort of be the leader. He's going to do some like still different from Garland, but whatever, like, and you're, you're making that sort of bet that like that kind of player is going to ch- change your trajectory in the short term and get you to like a seven, eight seat or a six seat or, or something like that is what I think that is, that is what I think you're doing. hundred percent as well. <laughs> What's that? CJ McCollum gets gets Cleveland. Okay, yes. Yeah. If he was born in Sacramento, are yeah. you advocating for this trade? Like that? That's okay, what that, every listener. The, the, that's the, what the, every the, listener should ask the, the, themselves. The, the Cleveland sports discourse is basically like: Do you like the Browns or do you like hate your life? Is basically like how this well, ultimately comes up. I and that's saw, sort of the problem. You know the meme of like the kid who's like struggling to swim in the pool, and then there's a mom holding like the daughter up, like cheering them on, like. That's the kid being held up is the Browns. The kid struggling to swim is the Indians. And then there's a second image. There's like a skeleton, like <laughs> sitting at the bottom of the pool, like strapped to a chair. That's the Cavs right now, Chris. Well, that's- next next season is going to be laughing Skeletor. And that's going to be me as I'm right with them going to the playoffs. Like the, like the Portland backcourt was probably one of the only backcourts that was worse defensively than the Cavs this season. And like, yeah, CJ is nice, but like if I'm giving up core assets to make a win now move, I'm not doing it if it's not a second contract player with term on their deal. Like I, I don't think any other move like that w- would be anything other than short sighted. And that's what a McCollum trade well, is. To- I agree with you. I'm just saying I don't think the organization is thinking that way necessarily. I don't sense a patient organization. And that's why like I look at like a McCollum thing and it's like, that I'm not saying it's McCollum. I'm just saying I'm expecting some kind of veteran thing that like maybe placates Kevin Love a little bit because like he still has a name and or maybe he gets like I just am expecting something that is like veteran win now. Like there there were like the Cavs were not never going to get him, but like there's a reason the Cavs were like a could we trade for Chris Paul team in the whispers of the NBA. That was a I- that was a thing on the fringe and they were never going to get Chris because Chris was going to dictate where he was going to go. And Presti was only going to trade him somewhere they want to do. I'm just saying I'm sent. I, I, it would not shock me if there's some sort of like win now sort of move. And that just, that presents itself. And that just screams to me like the most obvious one, unless you're going to like not do that. Right. Like I just, there's some name is going to come up that we're not understanding. Right. But like, that is the kind of thing that I would, would strike me as like a, 
where the Cavs are at, trying to re- like retool, re- like be a little win a little more. Like I'm not saying I agree with it. I have mm-hmm. a lot of concerns about it. I think all the concerns you've brought up are fair. I'm just saying that strikes me as like a thing they might do. That is not my opinion on it. I'm just saying that strikes me as like a thing they might do or at least get consider and be a team involved in that somehow. I, I mean, it's certainly possible. At the same time, I don't personally dedicate a lot of like worry and energy towards something like that. Like, oh, I don't care. I'm just, just like, for the record, I don't give a fuck. Like, it is not my job. <laughs> It is not my job. Oh, wow. but I don't Miss, care. Mr. Manning dropping the F bomb. Yeah, F sharp. Jeez, you're look, you're, look, offend, oh. you're offending my Canadian sensibilities. But the, the point I was going to make, I, I was didn't like, add enough views in there. I'm sorry. Like the the point I was going to make is think about how many months people spent worrying that Obi Toppin was going to be the pick because the Cavs, oh, they're going to make a win now move, blah blah blah, or they're going to trade for Westbrook, or they're going to trade for Chris Paul, like. None of that really happened. To they be fair, really... they sh- I would have hey, traded for Chris hey, Paul. Hey, to be fair, the Knicks took Obi Toppin and their win now move was never playing him. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they got from 20 to 41 wins. Um, yeah, like I, I just I, I'm going to I'll I'll fear a panic move when I see one and I'll criticize a panic move when I see one. And maybe that, that'll be one of those awkward moments as a podcast that's partnered with the Cavs. But he, like I would have to see the entire deal to, to know exactly how I feel about it, of course. But I, I just I, I don't really foresee giving up core assets for someone that doesn't fit the young course timeline. Like, I, I think you really need to make sure that uh, if you are giving up major assets, that is a player like 25 and under uh, that, that has some term on their deal that, that's going to make a difference. Otherwise... I'm comfortable kind of staying the course and making moves on the fringes, whether it's maybe shopping Torian Prince and, and other guys with the 2022 first round pick and, and see if there's potential there, uh, examining the sign and trade market, going after guys like TJ McConnell uh, that, that can provide a veteran sturdy hand uh, to the roster. Like that would be De- more Delhi, but in. not totally washed. Yeah. 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 Like it, that, that's kind of what I anticipate more than, than anything. So, uh, like even the fact that we didn't see a panic move at the deadline, like there was no trade of Andre Drummond for future salary and a second round pick just to save well, face. How much does that say? I wonder how much that says about Drummond too, though. That's the other thing about that. It's like, I, I think yeah. that says something about Drummond as an asset as well. Hey everyone, Evan here. Chris and I got to pay the bills, but we'll be back soon with our conversation with Justin. But first, a quick word from today's sponsor, Locker Room. This episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. This app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, Chris, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked on Cavs once a week, yes, and you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. Be sure to join Chris and I this week. We'll be hosting a room this week on Thursday in the evening. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices and in beta if you're an Android user. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at amnotevan and Chris at CWM Rights to be notified when our rooms go live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this week on Thursday this evening, and I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Cavs. See you there, locker room, changing the way we talk about sports. 
Today on the road to the NBA Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we all can enjoy the games a little bit more this season. No, no, for sure. Like, because like, yeah. I don't think anyone was like, hell yeah, I want to pay Andre Drummond 28 like the remainder of his contract to like help me make the six seed. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like and, the, the Hornets for, were not the that the Hornets were not like, hell yeah, give me Andre Drummond because we have no good centers is like just well, very telling. Lakers it it like, is an it's yeah, an indictment that well, Anthony seed. Anthony Davis's buddy is is a, is a <laughs> it, it is an indictment that you would need to take on bad money just to to get a second round pick. But that might have been a optics saving deal, like a, a panic decision. And I don't have sauces. I, I, I'm, I'm not in that game. I'm not in the journalism game like you two. So I am going off of Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought that you had, were the one that said that there there were deals, um, or maybe that was Chris Fedor. Maybe I'm mix, mixing up my If Chris's, you confuse but... me with Chris Fedor, I'm never talking to you. <laughs> I eat but normal cheese. I'm pretty sure it was reported at one point that there were offers available if they did want to save face, but hey, they got their two second round picks net uh, for McGee and Drummond at the deadline anyways, as well as the future of the backup center position in Isaiah Hardenstein. <laughs> Well, I think the I think the McGee pivot really did help them save face as well because if they're they're able to get something at the trade yeah. deadline, and I think that was a good move because like Hartenstein is an intriguing piece. Like I, we talk about intriguing young players, maybe we should talk about um, Hartenstein a little bit. Like I expect nothing from him and got quite a few things. I'm like, you know what, there could be something fun here. But while we just kind of stay focused on win down moves, Justin, would you be? terribly upset if the Cavs try to make a move like a Marcus Smart just to address maybe that point guard, backup point guard position, bring in a culture and locker room guy as well. Like I I I, I would really like Marcus Smart in Cleveland. Like the non-shooting beside aside. Um he's he's also gonna start. Like he's not coming to Cleveland and not starting. Chris, just let me lay this I'm just saying that like if like God, you would, you're such a wet blanket no today. but I'm saying like Marcus Smart is not going to come to the to Cleveland into an organization he doesn't know and hasn't built equity with and be like yes I will sit on the bench for contacts and Darius Garland like that's just not going to happen I was just talking about cultural upside the fact that he oh plays I agree defense and he busts his hump like I I like players that play defense and I think JB Bickerstaff would love to have a player like Marcus Smart who's an absolute dog on defense I don't know. I think it just that would just be a fun acquisition for the Cavs if they really like because I know like I read Spencer Davies article and I can vouch what he said like Kobe really wants to make a focus this year to get a veteran who really wants to be part of this and really wants to help set the culture for them because we talked about this with Ken Carmen Chris like they I the Cavs hoped Kevin Love was going to be that Chris Paul where he's like okay I'm entering the end of my career. Let me help guide this young team and elevate them where things have just gone absolutely sideways with Kevin. And it's just gotten uglier and uglier. And obviously Kevin not being healthy in his game aging so poorly, or just not just because of injury at this point, like that's the issue. Like the Cavs can make a pivot there and maybe get a veteran like Marcus smart, who is in a contract year. And if he plays the good company guy and he does a lot of positive things the, he could set himself up nicely for next off season. Yeah, I, I guess it would depend on what you're giving up or if there is a contract extension negotiated into that. Like, it's not uncommon that you trade for a player and that's part of kind of the discussion. Oh, yeah, of, for hey, sure. Yeah, I mean, like, Torian Prince's in. contract more or less matches up with it if you want to use that as a baseline. 
Yeah, no, exactly. So I guess it would depend on that. But like bringing in a Marcus Smart or a Lonzo Ball archetype player, a, a guard that would fit well with either of the guards, like yeah, that that is absolutely intriguing. Like that that's a, a really interesting potential move. Um, maybe yeah, like Chris's points are are well taken on whether or not he'd be willing to come off the bench. Um, maybe the current situation where. It's going to sound patronizing, but like the ceremonial start, basically that Colin Sexton gets right now because he plays all of those second units and he's the first sub out. Maybe that's something that works for Smart coming off the bench, right? Like it, maybe you can continue doing that, but the, yeah. it, he's a guard that fits with either of the guards. And I, I think if you are bringing in a backup point guard, that's what you want. You want somebody that... Uh, contributes on the defensive end is a steady hand that can help run the offense and allow those two to play off ball at times. And that can play with either so that no, no matter which direction the game is going, you have the option to kind of mix and match that guard rotation. I think a part of this too is I need, I think we need to see more inventiveness from the offense. I just think, I think JB Bakerstaff is like a solid coach. I think he's a, a good relator with the team. I think he took so much of the questioning of this year, like on the chin and, and I, I think handles it pretty well. Seems like a very even kill guy. I think the offense needs a little spice. I, th- I don't know if that comes from someone on the staff. I don't know if like they can bring someone in. Like I don't know if Bjorkren's like the guy I would go do that with right now. But like if you can, I, th- I think yeah. The offense- I don't know if I want to bring in a guy that alienated <laughs> a locker room and coaching staff. Yeah. Like it's yeah, but I like I, but- Bjorkren making a power grab to yeah yeah JB Baker staff. I don't know. I get those kind of vibes based <laughs> on what I've heard and what I've read. <laughs> yeah, he's like uh, Justin your succession head. The t- it's Tom right. Yeah, TB <laughs> real Tom. Um, so the the interesting thing to me, and like honestly, this is one of the tar- toughest parts to evaluate when looking at this past season was just the absence of practice time, the amount of changes to the the rotation. Like there were stretches where, hey, all of a sudden that three point rate is above league average, and, and they they're getting shots up, but the personnel was constantly changing. I do think with spots available on the bench uh, for assistant coaches, it'd be interesting to bring in someone like a Lloyd Pierce uh, to, to help increase the pace, which I, I identified earlier as something that I wanted to do. Uh, I think there's a top-down communication that, hey, some of this needs to come internally, like J.B. Bickerstaff screaming at Garland and Sexton to take more threes. Same with Isaac Okoro. Like, you, right now, I, I think th- unfairly, there's been a narrative that he doesn't want to shoot three-pointers, uh, despite the fact that when he coached in Houston, they led the league in three-point attempts, and Memphis has shot fewer threes since J.B. has <laughs> left. Um, but I, I do think that there's a desire to get those attempts up, but really, you're you're fighting the natural tendencies of these players. Like Darius Garland is a pass first guy that likes to get into the lane. Colin Sexton's a slasher, and Isaac Okoro is raw, right? So you're you're fighting that. But I, I do think that there's an opportunity to maybe bring in some creativity, a, a little bit of seasoning uh, for that offense uh, with an assistant coach, which would be really interesting because I think the thing that we don't really have clarity on with any team cast included is exactly how responsibilities are delegated across the coaching staff, right? Like really coaches are managing a 15 man roster as well as a large coaching staff. And yeah, it's a collaborative effort. So getting someone in to kind of bring some creativity, uh, I think would be a positive. Yeah. I, 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 
because I know people like Kobe's pushing for Colin to take eight threes a game. I think people are taking that and running with it a little bit too much. I think, yeah, ideally you want him to do that, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen instantaneously. I know the one of the lowest points in the season was when Colin and uh, Darius combined for maybe like two or three, possibly four three-pointers total in a game, and people were like just screaming in my mention saying like somebody needs to ask JB why they aren't taking threes and I think JB somebody did ask JB that was the game against Sacramento right yeah and JB's like it's just a product and a result of what reads we're getting in the product of our system I think think with that game too that's when Sexton had the hamstring injury and it was their back-to-back third game in four nights which yeah again speaks to how weird this season was the the 72 game season on average playing like four and a half games a week is like not like the sample I'm pulling from right like that's the other thing about this is like I just like look back at the season and I'm like trying to make sense of lineup data and numbers and all kinds of shit and I'm just like I don't know what any of this is supposed to mean when this season was like by all accounts absolutely awful for everyone to get through like it was attrition it was not like a normal grind of an 82 game season where like, you know, you kind of can get through it with a little more rest and stuff. This, this was like a war of attrition just to get to the end, even for teams like the Cavs that were off for a while, because like, as, as anyone in the league will tell you, like there is getting into camp in shape. And then there's like, okay, you got to play some game shape and like really rev that up. And that takes time. And it's this whole like rolling ball of, Unless you're a Miami team or a Byron Scott coach team and you're in ridiculously good shape and you fool the rest of the league for a little bit and then everybody else catches up. (laughs) But my point was is, and I agree with both of you, is maybe they bring in an assistant coach, whether it is a Lloyd Pierce or they do an outside-the-box hire to bring in just an offensive-minded assistant, but they create a system because JB is a defensive tactician first and foremost. And like you said, Justin – the his adversity to shooting threes isn't a thing, but I think the Cavs just need to put a system in place that encourages more of that outside than in look because Chris and I kind of pegged their offensive identity to be like, okay, we're going to bully the shit out of you inside. And eventually like you're going to have to respect us in the paint. And then that's going to create more looks organically from the outside, but the Cavs also just don't have the personnel to do that. So there's a lot of things going on here, but I think there's good bones in place for them to build upon. And I'm not too, too concerned about that. And eventually we'll see a bit more of a modern offense. It's just, you you got to crawl before you walk and then you got to walk before you run. Hey everyone, Evan here. Got more bills to pay, and I want to give you a quick word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? I did. And if you don't know about the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and there's something for everybody. They even have this awesome grasshopper flavor that I adore. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best thing, but they're healthy too. So most of their flavors have only 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. But they also have flavors that have 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. They're all tasty, all healthy, and just they are quite literally the best tasting protein bar ever. So if you're interested, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Did you know that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action? Yeah, it really is. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including from the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. 
Do not sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So if you're interested, head to their website on your mobile device or computer and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but only if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's going to take some time. And well, and like Isaac Okoro, like, needs to, like, not be a like, I love Okoro. I'm, I'm perhaps like higher on Okoro than I am a new when I'm this young core. Like, he can't be a negative like that. And you have a functional offense. And he's like a clear, clearly net negative offensive player right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And, and that's why how they approach this offseason is going to be so important, right? Like, that's going to be the biggest thing. Like, are you willing to move some of these guys to the bench if there's a better option? Like, let, let's say you draft Jalen Green and eventually, like, you're either starting him or maybe you want to start him alongside Torian Prince or, like, there's so many different options and ways that this can go that it's really hard to tell exactly how their this team is going to get to their next playoff team i do think that there's enough talent already internally and um adding a pick in this draft is going to make a huge difference but it it, how they get there is is the biggest question to me because there's so many different directions that they can go both from who they're using internally and, and how they use them to the options that may be available to them through the draft, trade, free agency. Like there, there's just so many ways that this can go. I have a, I have, here's my next question. What are you expecting out of the off season as a whole? Like we, we've talked a little bit about like maybe there being some big moves. They don't have a lot of cap space. The Jared Allen uh, new contract would sort of in theory be the biggest one you could get. You know, it maybe there's a trade. May, the draft will be interesting. Certainly, I'm expecting some kind of weird NBA trade on draft line. I just sort of like embracing for it. Um, it just feels like I just feel like we're gonna get something wacky this offseason, whether it's from the Cavs or from somewhere else. It's probably gonna be the Lakers to do the wackiest thing. I feel like LeBron's gonna quietly put pressure on them to improve this roster. I'm gonna some, somehow, some way. If somehow they end with like Dame, I'm gonna just like walk into Lake Erie. Um, Dude, I'm telling you, Steph, just get it's gonna be Kuzma for our Harry B. Harrison Barnes teaming up with LeBron. Kuzma for Curry and like some picks. One last ride with the Cavs top (laughs) defensive player in 2016. Yeah, exactly. Two keys to the Cavs 2016 championship teaming up in LA. Wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) But like, I I just, I just, I'm expecting just some, I'm expecting some kind of roster shuffle next year. Like I just, this doesn't strike me in general as like something that is going to stay stagnant. Like I, I'm, I would be much more interested if they doubled down on, I would be much more surprised and like intrigued by what they think if they just sort of stand pat by choice. Right. Like if they, if they, maybe there's like a quiet move, like maybe like they get a Doug McDermott on like BMLE and like that guy can make an impact. And maybe like Jetty or, or Prince gets like moved on and they clear up like a little bit of room in that way or get bring something back in or whatever. But I, I would be intrigued if they sort of like double down on the youth in some ways and like say, like, okay, like we, we believe in what we have here and we're not going to rush this. Like that would be a very, interesting approach if they were, were to kind of do that the the, the the press conference does not strike me as like a thing that they necessarily is like plan a but i would kind of be interested to see if they like don't force themselves into something that is actually harmful because like because if you do something stupid in the next year or two like you could be restarting this process all over again in like two years and like i think no one no one really wants that no no absolutely like i i my preference is to kind of ride it out with the young core to some extent but outside of them like uh, i'd be 
gauging what the trade market is for almost everybody because you need to be aggressive, right? right? Like, as I mentioned, the bar to get to the playoffs is getting higher and higher. And like you have to consider availability into this, right? Like Torian Prince makes a lot of sense. Like he, he's a big wing that can play both forward spots, three and D option. Um, but is he going to be healthy? Is there a better option available in the trade market? You need to factor that in when you're potentially getting offers for Larry Nance. Like as much as I, I would hate to see him go, um, that has to factor in if a team is coming in, making an offer that's too good to refuse. Like, that's that really kind of like it's starting to twist your arm and and maybe you expand those discussions beyond that right like if you're getting a really big offer for larry maybe you say hey if you value him so highly what does he plus the 2022 first round pick get us does that get you someone that is young and fits with the young core like there's so many options it wouldn't surprise me to see three, four, five guys on this team not be with the team at the start of training camp, or maybe they run it back and evaluate things at the trade deadline and make a buy move then after seeing whether or not that internal growth we're projecting for the young guys takes place. And, and it like will be like JB or Kobe, that's the fall guy easier than the players. Like that's just how this works too. And like they're probably in some ways like planning for their jobs in some ways. Like that that's just a thing with all of this. Yeah, I think there's always going to be that factor of Dan Gilbert as the chairman, owner, governor. I don't know. The, the term for financially having the biggest stake in a basketball team changes every day. But I, I think the calculus changes a lot. If we had this conversation eight days from now, I think I could give you a lot more of a definitive answer because I'm very much of the mentality that if the Cavs get the second pick, you take Evan Mobley and you don't look back. Um, and then in that situation, you try and flip Jared Allen for some more assets and you kind of kick the can down the road a lot further wow. because you don't have to commit so much money to a big man now. And Jared Allen has value in this league. And clearly, like the Cavs, I mean, it's not Dante Exum and a future first via Milwaukee. That's just Houston's owner being cheap and realizing he can't play his, pay his players with gift cards to his restaurants. Um, <laughs> See, I disagree. You, you do. I like. I think. Yeah. Like in, on paper, these two can play together, and the interior defense of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen is phenomenal. But I watch Evan Mobley a lot more, and I think it makes more sense to play him as a five and get him used to being banged around as a five. And then we go back to this conversation with like Jared Allen, or Mobley needs to put on weight if he wants to hang with the Embiid's and the Carl Anthony Towns and the. Oh, but why are you doing that decision right away? It would be my question because I do think that they make sense. And the presence of Jared Allen can help reduce the physical load on Evan Mobley in those early years. And maybe like, That's let's fair. say you still sign uh, Jared Allen to a five-year deal, maybe at year three. Okay. We we're starting to see how they're progressing as a duo. Um, Mobley is going to make that kind of tr- Chris Bosch transition uh, from power forward to center as he bulks up. Yeah. You, you can evaluate things then. But Jared That's Allen's fair. only going to get better, right? Like he, I'm a, he's, I'm only going, he's only but going to increase my, his trade my, value. My, I do think I, that I know. The, the decision there is if you are starting those two together, you have to really come up with a concrete plan offensively and, and some creativity to make that work. Maybe that does mean moving Isaac Okoro to the bench because you can't have those two centers that aren't proven spacers with an Isaac Okoro. Like, I, I think there is a ripple effect there, but you mm-hmm. take best player available. Like, you, you take best player available, oh, yeah. and I think the pairing of Allen and Mobley... 
I wouldn't move on from that before I had to. And that's the biggest thing like that. That was my, that's been my argument with uh, the sex line backcourt as well. Yes. Maybe at, at some point down the road, it becomes apparent that that ceiling is hard cap, but moving on too soon to me, like you're probably not getting as good of trade value. Uh, you're not, allowing the opportunity for it to maybe develop in an unexpected way. And that's why I would kind of wait. I, I wouldn't, I, I just, I'm not a big fan of making decisions before you have to. It's a bit of a fine art, uh, finding that right window. Like the Portland mistake wasn't the fact that they committed to Damon CJ. The mistake was probably on top of like going all in on Evan Turner and the wrong guys when, when they had free agent money was not moving CJ earlier. Like you, you don't move him after year three, but maybe at some point you you offer him for Kawhi Leonard or you offer him and picks for James Harden or uh, you do some sort of consolidating move. It, it wasn't that, hey, we should have seen this coming and traded him on his rookie contract. Can I ask a meta question here? Yeah, Let's sure, get deep. How, how do you guys define success if you're a team like Cleveland in this NBA? Mm. I would say success for the Cavs is developing some sense of continuity. Like I know the the word culture is overused, but just a more coherent process, right? That, hey, even if the moves don't work out because let's be honest, like a, a lot of them aren't going to work out. You can at least agree with the thought process and the kind of the decision-making process that went into it. So the them getting to a stable position where they are consistently competitive, they're making smart gambles when they do make gambles. Like to me, that is success in the NBA because I know everyone wants to roadmap how you get to a contender from here, but that's skipping too many steps. One, you're not enjoying the process, but that's skipping way too many steps because you can get to a point where you are Indiana or you are Toronto or you're one of these teams that's consistently in the playoffs and make adjustments from there. You can trade part of your court for a win now move. There's so much you can do. You can take the gambles then. It doesn't all have to be apparent at the start. So getting to a spot where they are consistently operating in a way that makes sense, that uh, is taking risks at the right time, like to me, that is success. And more than anything, being entertaining. Like, even if you're going to be bad, do it in an entertaining way that is working towards the right things. Yeah, I, I, I think Justin's spot on with that. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of always saying that winning cures a lot of dysfunction. And I think a lot of this dysfunction that came from this Cavs team uh, is just a lot of outside noise, too. Um, they were interesting last year. They mm -hmm. had a lot of compelling storylines. Like they, they are exactly what I thought they would be where they're no longer truly trying to intentionally tank. They were honest to God, trying to make the play in tournament up until the last few weeks of the season. And then they pulled things back a little bit. So maybe you can thumb your nose at that a little bit, but the Cavs are honestly trying this season to be a playoff team. They believe they could be a playoff team. And there's something endearing about that. There's something interesting about that. Um, as someone who is, looks at the big picture, though, it does give me some heart palpitations when you look at some of the talent at the top of this draft class. But you know what? Chris and I also know this, and a lot of people know this. You know this too, Justin. Players and coaches in this moment don't give a shit about the upcoming draft class. Mm -hmm. They are playing for their contracts. They're playing for their futures. They're playing for their security now. And the Cavs are a little bit of that too, maybe. But I think there's a little bit more security and a little bit more patience on the ownership side of things that they have in their back pocket. Um 
they have intriguing young players. I think the Jared Allen trade was a lot of juice and good vibes. And I think the Cavs were just being a weirdly competitive team in January and part of February. And things kind of fell to the wayside once injuries just ravaged this roster and, you know, being off for eight, nine months just took their toll on this team, not being fully in basketball shape when the season started, just caught up to them. And that's unfortunate, but I think the Cavs have good bones and I think they are, I think before they need to be worrying about being relevant in the NBA, they need to become truly relevant in their own market. And I think they're on their way there, especially if the Cleveland baseball team falls apart. I mean, I think they're always going to be competing for the playoffs, but the Browns are going to have a lot of tough decisions coming up soon. And maybe that's going to polarize and alienate things and maybe kill some of the good vibes there as well. But I think the Cavs are in a good place. I think they need to focus more so on gaining the interest and maintaining the interest of Cleveland and say, like, hey, we're a fun young team and we're on our way on the up and up. And I think making the playing tournament or maybe making the playoffs really puts them back in that conversation. And I think they're on the precipice of doing that. And once they do that, everyone will start paying attention to the Cavs more locally. And then just organically and naturally, I think that momentum will build and shift towards more of a national level. And I always say it's, it's an untenable task to build out of the shadow of LeBron James, but to have to trade Kyrie Irving and build out of the shadow of LeBron James in a little over a year's time for Kobe Altman, I I commend him for what he's done so far. And I'm Mm -hmm. still intrigued to see where they go next. I've been thinking way too much about the, the 2018 summer lately for this reason. Um, did you guys hear the windy? I don't listen to like very many like national pods anymore because I just I just don't. Well, but, you know my uh, answer. I don't listen to basketball pods unless it's the chase down. And those. Listen- <laughs> well, Justin, did you hear? Did you hear or I like did. hear about the windy rant about that that trade? Yeah, I, I did. And t- to me, like my takeaway was that they should have kind of played more hardball to get more than a second round pick from Boston, which, yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, I I think that's fair. I don't know how much more you would have got. And like the thing about that is, would the narrative have been if they pulled out of that deal? Would it be that Kobe Altman is difficult to work with? Hey, you you uh, you knew what Isaiah Thomas's medicals were because that was what everyone out of Boston was saying at the time was that hey, Boston wasn't dishonest. We we told uh, everybody what Isaiah's medicals were. Blah blah blah. This is where like the the cultivating like relationships thing can actually like help you if you want to like work with your like you. Danny gets like some goodwill from local because like he has like a presence. Right. And like, I, there's something shadowy about sort of, yeah. Well, that's why people are so high on Andrew Barry and the Browns. And then even Chris Antonetti and the Indians, because they have cultivated a relationship with a lot of media members too. Like you don't see Jason Lloyd doom posting and parachute posting about the Browns or the Indians anytime soon. Do you? Unless they change the name to something he doesn't like, and he says the Indians are part of his culture, mm-hmm. but whatever. Yeah, that's one of those areas that it's tougher for me to comment, just as someone that's not there, right? Like this is one of the the barriers, and why I rely on you guys to to provide me with um, <laughs> the, the journalism aspects of this, and, and um, like to me, the like I really do feel like what they've net got in that Kyrie trade is significant. Like, yeah, you maybe could have got a better return, uh, but the fact that it turned into Colin Sexton, turned into Larry Nance, turned into the assets they they moved to acquire Jared Allen. Like, um, so you it, have a full, you have a full flow chart on this. I, I do. And on everything. It did look better when Kevin Porter Jr. was part of it as well, but Dylan Windler and like it, the, the managing of that. Yeah. Maybe they, they could have gotten more, but showing like, 
showing the ability to call an audible and, and to adjust on the fly, it, I think is important. And what they've done since then, to me, it has been really smart. So it's it's tough to look back on 2018. Um, like, do you guys remember how bad some of those offers were? Like Minnesota was unwilling to offer Andrew Wiggins. Um, the <laughs> Phoenix was unwilling to include Josh Jackson. We were getting like Dragon Bender and Eric Bledsoe offers. Um, I think the the one with the benefit of hindsight would be uh, Brogdon and Middleton. Uh, yeah, that, that that's, been- that's the one. That's really the one. Is yeah, it, and, and then it comes yeah, to the question of but w- would what, Chris Middleton what, have left after a year? That's that's my point. Is Chris Middleton could leave? Would you have been Brogdon in a better position? Still build for Indiana if the Cavs didn't feel like matching and they offer for him. And I you're don't. not winning a championship. Like that's 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 okay, the biggest but, but, thing. But, but and like that's part of why. In the vacuum of point. 2018, if you have LeBron, Middleton, and Brogdon, I think the Cavs have a better shot at a championship. Sure, but then I you think they got a better chance at five six games. Like that's that's. That's my read on it. Like, it's not like those guys are, are necessarily really proven in the playoffs either, right? Like, we we saw what the pressure of playing with LeBron did to the guys that were there, and yeah, there were injuries that factored in as well. Like, that, that's the other thing. Like George Hill and Larry Nance being hurt for the playoffs that really sucked because those guys were important contributors. So, I to me, like, I, I'm so solutions orientated. I, like, I, I don't really dwell on the past a whole lot. Like, I. To to pivot off of this, unless you guys want to stick with it, like no, because I well, I I want to go back to my meta thing because I have a point I want to make. But continue. Okay, yeah, go go ahead. Okay, so this is why I asked the meta question because 